grieving mother finds a way to bring back her dead son is not all that comes home. Miss Mabel was uh, discovered deceased inside one of the rooms. Her body was found upright in a rocking chair. What's a figure made of sticks and leaves? Judging from initial reports, Miss Mabel had been dead a matter of months. Based on the unsolved mystery of Olivia Mabel. There were a lot of photos and personal objects on that, and candles and what we call santuarios. You have no power over Leave me alone! John, I need help! A short film from Elf Tree Media. Mommy. Thought form. Support our Kickstarter campaign now through February 17th at thoughtformfilm.com. Prepare to enter the Elf Tree. Hi there, everybody. Uh, we're going to do a little pre-show. Hey, I'd pre-show. <laughs> what was that? I was uh, going to say hi there, but I said hi. Um, we are uh, here morning of January 18th. We uh, have not just, but a, a couple hours ago, launched the Kickstarter. We're live for ThoughtForum.com so, or uh, ThoughtFormFilm.com. We are hot and ready. We are. Like Little Caesars. <laughs> like, a, like a pizza. Um, so, yeah, it's... it's, it's Opening day, the the opening bell is rung, and uh, we've officially raised one hundred and six dollars already. Yeah, First we've already got hours. a backer, so we uh, yeah go to thoughtformfilm.com and you yeah. can help support what we're going to be making. Yeah, and uh, and become the second and third and eighth backers. Yeah, just those three though. <laughs> That's um, all we need. That's all we need. Um, and also, we just kind of wanted to call out real quick that uh, over the past week we lost. Well, we didn't lose. But well, the world, the world, the world lost yeah. the amazing talents of David Bowie and <sighs> Mr. Uh, Severus Snape. Yeah, Alan Rickman died. That one was that one was surprising. That one was really surprising. It, yeah, and they both died from cancer, like yeah. different forms of At cancer. At the same age. They were both 69? They were both 69 years old. And then who else? Somebody else passed away. Well, Celine Dion's husband is was some of the ones that I... Lemmy from Radiohead. Not Radiohead. Motorhead. Oh, that's right. Golly, uh, man. I, I mean, a few a few people that I had had not really heard of but kind of knew who they were associated with uh, yeah. have died lately. But those two are the ones that uh, that kind of stuck out a little bit. like Kind of like a Heath Ledger or Michael Jackson. Like those, yeah. those people dying was kind of like, oh... Damn, that's yeah. a shame. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of, uh, it's shocking. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it isn't new when people die. Like, that's something kind of we become aware of. Like, yeah. when Robin Williams passed away, right. that was shocking. You know, I feel like it's Alan the, Rickman is kind of the same. Yeah. A little bit of a, a piece of me was like, oh, man, this part of me that's like, if they ever do another Harry Potter film, which they're not going to probably. Right, I don't think right. they will. But He's gone now. You know, he he could never start another Harry Potter extension. You know, no, but he that's could, sad. He could wear his Harry Potter extensions. That's true. <laughs> there will be no foolish wand waving or silly incantations in this class. As such, I don't expect many of you to appreciate the subtle science and exact art that is potion making. However, for those select few who possess. The predisposition. I can teach you how to bewitch the mind and ensnare the senses. I can tell you how to bottle fame, brew glory, and even put a stopper in death. Bang, 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 bang,
Hi there, everybody. Hi there, world. I'm Joe. And I'm Ian, and we switched it up this We did. Today. We decided to take a switcheroo. Yeah, I mean, we figure since we're getting up there in age, 62, you know, dementia might have set in. <laughs> we forgot how to properly do the show. I couldn't find your apartment. It took me about an hour and a half <laughs> just to find... Uh, Found him wandering yeah. in his underwear. <laughs> <laughs> With a bag of meth in my hand. <laughs> With a bag, a bag of meth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd shaved his head. <laughs> Um, I was telling people my name was Heisenberg. And walking, walking by Brian Cranston's house. Yes, exactly. Man. I thought I saw him, honestly, this was hilarious. I thought I saw him in traffic the other day, but I don't think Cranston? it was him because the car was pretty old. Okay. So yeah. I don't think Brian Cranston would be driving like a Himself? 90s Camry oh. or something. I can't remember what it was. But yeah, so I potentially saw Brian Cranston in a old Miata. <laughs> in a Miata, okay. Well, it's it's different than us definitely seeing Aaron Paul that one time at the at oh the, uh, at Hollywood Forever Cemetery, Cemetery right? Know. Well, dude, uh, how was uh, how was your week? You jumped into a new uh, a new I did experience. I did. I jumped in back into to the working world, um, which is fine. It's it's there's nothing wrong with being in the working world, uh, just so long as uh, me as an artist doesn't allow it to consume all of my day and consume all of my energies and passions and uh, leaving me with absolutely no desire to do any of my own work at the end of it. Yeah. You know, it's not something I wanted to do. And that's why I was so against, because that's exactly what it previously had turned into, you know, kind of working. Soul crushing. Well, working nine to six every day. It does. It kind of, it's just like, oh, I have no personal creative outlet. And so it kind of starts killing the creative drive inside me. What do you, what do you like, what do you think is the, what is like a practice that you have being in that kind of situation and, and maintaining your, I guess, excitement for the things that you really do care about when you're not working, yeah. what you're going to go and kind of shift your focus on? How do you stay excited about those things, like your own personal endeavors? Different situations call for different uh, requirements in, in order to keep that alive. Like when I was working on Dallas, um, I was very much at the mercy of production. Uh, uh, half the day had to go by before I had any footage to, to work on. Then I got my work done in about an hour or two. And, uh, throughout the rest of that time, I spent it doing the atrium. I yeah. mean, I put that whole short film together, short film, uh, that, that whole pilot together in my time on Dallas. So, but I mean, at this, like, say, cause you've worked, you've worked since you've been in LA, you've worked several different jobs, but you maintain from what I've noticed, you stay really active and diligent towards your actual passions. Yeah. You know, when you go, get to go home, yeah. I'm just curious as to how you mentally keep yourself in that state, you know, the, cause a it, lot of people lose their passions quickly because yeah. they just get so focused on other well, stuff. The, the energies I'm around here help a lot. I don't know. I don't know why, but it's very palpable here. This desire, at least for me, to create and to to be uh, productive, even if it's, I mean, even if it's productive doing Susie homemaker shit here at the house, you know, here, <laughs> you know, I mean, domestic, you do? domestic, you know, like uh, vacuum and fucking clean the. Why does it gotta be Susie and, homemaker? That could well, be Johnny. No, uh, Johnny Dirty Cave. Johnny Dirty. Jan, Johnny Man Cave. Jo- Johnny, Johnny Clean Cave. Johnny Clean Cave. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Um, so like doing some Johnny clean cave stuff, like, you know, I mean, I spent, I spent the day after Christmas or Christmas day or something like that. Um, just like cleaning the entire apartment. 
Nice. You know, I didn't do anything, even though we had the Kickstarter campaign you that was it. kind of working. Did you take any footage of yourself? I cleaning? did. I did. Really? You were the first person who's ever who like asked that. But um, yes, I did. I time lapsed because I know you the like time lapsing the, the the kitchen. I'll post. I'll post the kitchen one on. I want to see it. Yeah, it's funny. I'm. It's funny to watch me and see how distracted I get. Oh, well, we got to put it on the blog too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. absolutely. Yeah, check out our blog. If you guys don't know about our blog, I'm sure some of you don't know anything about us. But we have a blog you can check out. So go to blog.hydare.com. Dot com. And uh, yeah, we put extras up there, pictures, links, and other details that we don't, you know. Supplemental materials. Yeah. So to answer your question uh, about creativity, it has to do with the environment. I'm just surrounded by people that, that are creating stuff. You yeah. and Stephen Stacy and Martin and all, you know, so my inner circle, but also just the, the, the whole feel of the city. Everybody's here to create something. And furthermore, I came out here for that. I didn't come out here to break myself into the industry. I came out here to allow the the seeds of creativity that I know are within me to actually flower and grow. Because I, I learned a lot of technical skill in college, but I didn't learn how to flower my creativity. I, it wasn't something I guess I really knew I was wanting to do. What do you mean, do? like, flower your creativity? Are you talking about, like... Well, deflower my creativity. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So terrible. Your creativity is shivering in a corner right now. <laughs> oh, no. We've just turned this real dark. <laughs> no, but I mean, I love hearing this, and I'm only saying this because I think that's super important if you are a creative person deep down, even if you're not getting to express that. If you are creative, it's flowering your creativity. It's like watering it. It's cultivating it. It's giving it a chance to breathe. To blossom. And giving it's, uh, it's the leaves, it's will to live and metamorphosize under the sun, you know? Yeah. Well, it'd turn into the elf tree. Yeah, exactly. It's not easy. It really isn't. Um, well, I take that back. In the moments in which I allow myself to not be creative, it gets tough, as it does with anybody, it gets tough to jump back on the horse. Yeah. Um, but when we were, I mean, last year, the whole last at least six months, eight months of the year, um, were spent kind of churning out podcasts like crazy. Yeah. Like we were easily doing one podcast a week, sometimes two, you know, and then every once in a while there'd be the Earthship Radio thrown in there. Yeah. You know, there were times when we were before we were taking trips, we had to do two episodes a week. You know, yeah. we fucking pushed this shit. And, and while, yes, it was creative, for me, one of the reasons that I'm, I'm thrilled about our creativity now is because we did spend that time uh, basically working out. Like, that was our CrossFit. Yeah. We, we built the pattern and the, the, the skill set and the ability and kind of the drive. Okay, show this week, show this week, show this week. And so now... The marathon had started, so we were marathon. already running the marathon. God. <laughs> Just kidding. The Elf Tree Marathon. We're <laughs> actually... Well, that's, that's Ironically, that's probably going to be something that we start one of these days. <laughs> the Dunder Mifflin, uh, you know, Race for the Cure 5K, uh, whatever the, that long title was. That's hey. what we'll call it. That'll be the day when we can start throwing fundraisers day. and stuff like that. It'll be fun. You know, speaking of... Oh, I know. Good that was a, segue, That was a segue. Man. I yeah. didn't necessarily... That was an accident, hey, kind of. He's currently on a hoverboard. <laughs> those fucking oh, I see those damn things everywhere, dude. <laughs> the hoverboard is the most inconvenient thing it's to be little, around in a grocery store. It's a little nuisancical. I mean, you know? dude, watching guys, like, fall off of them and stuff... It's kind of weird. Like, why are people subjecting themselves to it? You know, it's I, almost like people skateboarding for the first time 
I don't I, know. I can't. I, I for some reason I was never able to to put myself in the zone enough to really know how to balance on a skateboard or yeah. heelys or anything like that. So I'm I would be wary to try one of these things. I'm more thinking like in a public space, you know, when you're on a sidewalk, not right. like a parking lot where you're right. trying to figure the thing out. Yeah. People are literally falling off these things in crowded spaces, like. What do you, what do you, why, why are you doing this to yourself? I remember <laughs> sitting outside Republic of High and seeing this guy, there was these two people walking up the sidewalk and there are elements, you know, parts of the sidewalk where there are trees. So it really only can fit two people. Mm-hmm. Um, and this guy on a, on a, one of the hoverboards was coming up the, the other side of the sidewalk. And rather than wait in the space where he had extra space for them to pass and he could come across, he just tried to like sneak his way in and around the tree and he just had to like, <laughs> I'm like that took you longer than it would take to walk around these people. Come on, man! It's it's. Silly. I, do you think somewhere there has been a couple holding a chain. hands? You can play like you can play. What's it called? You like spin the wheel or whatever. Where you're like oh. everybody. I remember this from a, a Sesame Street episode where all the Muppets are fucking skating on the on the ice. But uh, they. I think it's called crack the whip. So you, you, one guy spins around in a circle, and then another person comes and skates alongside, grabs his hand, and there suddenly there are two persons. Oh yeah, yeah, person, yeah. And you mm-hmm. try to make it as long as possible mm-hmm. until the person just can't hold on. Um, so I'm imagining that right now. You set a chain of these hoverboards. So right now I'm imagining oh, yeah. that. And whew. I saw this video of a dude opening it. He charged it, and then he was getting on it for the first time, and it freaking lit on fire. I've heard this is happening. Airplanes, uh, Airlines are starting to ban them for that very reason. I mean, but look. Look at where they're sold. Is it sold at the Apple Store? No. It's sold at cheap-ass, you know, dime a dozen stores up and down these strip malls for probably, I don't know. But it's... Uh... This Christmas, you've got to get a hoverboard. I just think, and it goes wherever I want. Or I can do sweet spins. They're the hottest gift of the holiday season. And now they're literally the hottest because they also explode. Shit! That is not a product that actually progresses productivity in humanity or an evolution of humanity. So I don't take it seriously. Yeah. No matter how much it is or how well it's made, which it seems to be proving itself as not being all that well made. You think it's like rollerblades? I think it's like Heelys. Oh, well, I, I think still it's use a Heelys. Fad like Heelys. Who? I mean, Who? people that are year olds. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, kids that kids that haven't grown up with this shit. I remember Shelby had Heelys, uh, and Shelby actually broke his ankle because of Heelys. What? Yeah, he he was turned his ankle off or? and doing stuff. No, I mean, like snapped it. Oh, God. right along his growth plate. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, that sounds when, painful. That's why Shelby leans like this. Yeah, <laughs> his, uh, his right leg like, uh, eight inches shorter. A Peter Mayhew uh, stance. A Peter Mayhew, <laughs> more like an Eileen. You know, <laughs> uh, I have. There are no but words. I am glad that they can exist because the all you know, the all seeing, all knowing. Well, it's like I'm just glad there Oz. aren't laws that don't let people skateboard and ride their bikes, and because it's just as simply as people riding those hoverboards around, somebody could create a law where you can't ride those hoverboards on sidewalks, which means you can't have them on the street because that would be illegal. So you couldn't really go anywhere with them. And I'm just glad that that's even still not illegal because got that far. Yeah. I mean, we're going to, I guess humanity will decide if it's going to stick around, but, but I mean, it's nothing like a bicycle though, or even rollerblades. Yeah. I mean, so 
Well, you're not getting any fucking workout on it. Well, right. Unless it's, it's a core it thing. Seems... Is it a core thing? I've never been on one, so I don't know. I don't know. But and maybe I mean, that's my thing. I have never been on one. Maybe once but... I stand on it, I'll all of a sudden get a half chub and I'll end up <laughs> dropping two hundy and two hundy. Dude, you get like a permanent, a permanent. <laughs> Next um... podcast, I'm just balancing on one. Just... <laughs> Zo's in... Zo. Wow. Zo... I just called you Zo. Zo Mazales. Zo Zo Morales. Um. <laughs> Uh, in stark contrast to just what you said right there, yeah. Well, because I think I think part of the technology of the hoverboard is not to it, it kind of engage your core, but it's got a gyroscope inside of it. Yeah. So it is kind of like balancing BB. itself, like BB-8. Yeah. Well, sure. I guess he must have had some sort of gyroscopic thing, uh, but it's the same technology as the Segways. However, mm-hmm. in contrast to that, I saw a guy. Uh, I was at a Starbucks and I saw a guy pass by outside the window riding a unicycle. He was wearing, um, uh, wearing. He was in a speedo. He was in a speedo <laughs> on a unicycle. I mean, he was he was on a unicycle. Shelby's been able to ride a unicycle. I I don't know how I would balance myself yet. I don't know how I would, you know, because I've never tried to. Have you asked Shelby how he does it? No, no, I never thought. I wonder to. how it is if it's like a hula hoop kind of thing, you know? Well, no, I imagine it's more of a like clench your thighs together as hard as you can, and then just try try and. Like, yeah, because you, know, you have to I keep your feet going kind of, back and forth. That's why I don't play piano. Oh, well. Because I feel uh, like doing this is hard enough for me to remember and figure out, let alone having to do this and oh, the pedals, you know, all that yeah. shit, too. Like, I, it's two separate actions for me. I mean, it is. It's definitely, you know, I found playing piano, it's easier for me to control my right hand than my left. Cool. And it's because yeah. I always practiced my right hand way the hell more because that's kind of what I would write my own music with, mainly. I would start songs with just my right hand and be fucking around with it. Do you type with, your, and, with primarily your right hand? No, no, I you use do, both. You do typical mm-hmm. typing? You know, it's like a deeper thinking. It's like playing drums. Like for you to be able to keep a beat with your right hand and then be play, playing a different pattern yes. with your left and then your right foot and your left foot are both doing their own things. Yeah. I mean, that's like splitting your brain up. And so... Ah, but is it? I mean, yes, it well, is, it's... but after a certain point, yeah. I'm willing to bet Tommy Lee could play all of their songs really without having to think yeah. about it. Upside down. Upside on his down. Yeah, exactly. Thing. Damn, that is a good show. You My, saw it? Not this one. I oh. saw them in 2005, something like that, and yeah, they were fantastic. Two and a half hours they played. Did you see his uh, his roller coaster track uh, thing? Vince Neils? No, Tommy Lee. Oh, He's got a freaking, it's like a roller coaster that goes, well, it's not a roller coaster. It's a track that basically goes from the stage where his drum riser is, Uh and then it goes out all the way over the audience, like in these two little camel humps, and then down to the back of the audience. And so the whole thing picks up, and he's playing live, going over the audience. It's really fucking slow. But then eventually it spins him upside down. I've seen and he's him rotating. Go upside down, yeah. But he's just sitting there playing drums, you know, doing that's this cool. little, it's a shtick, you know, it's like a... But I mean, that's... that's Ticket seller. That is a well thought out shtick. Yeah. And it's incredibly executed. It's like when you 2 did their uh, spaceship looking show, you know? I don't. They did that tour where they were literally setting up these massive stadiums. It nice. looked like a fucking crazy alien ship. Nice. And so, yeah, there's like a documentary about how the teams had to literally take, they had to be setting up in another city, so they had two separate rigs, nice. like this whole setup, but it would take oh, them. wow. Yeah, Jeez. I can't remember how long it took them to set up. but Actually, the, the, the pastor, the priest at the church I grew up in, his son is U2's documentarian. 
Oh, nice. Can't, well, yeah, so it's... Should it's, have him on sometime. It's pretty cool. Well, I mean... Ask him about it. Sure, that'd be, <laughs> that'd be neat. I could, I could, I could reach out. Um, our Kickstarter. Yeah, we are live. Woo! Woo! Go check us out, thoughtformfilm.com. Yeah, we... Uh, it's a project we've been working on, you guys have heard, but... Gosh. Yes, uh, that's, that, is the, that is the great thing I, I think about what we've done, is we've allowed the audience to come on this journey with us. No, I was going to say, like, working on these projects, like, having worked on this one for so long, it's crazy that we're now, like, it's released into the wild, and we're going to see if we can eventually come together and come together right now over me. Over me. Dude, that song. <laughs> Sorry, we, everybody, we're jumping away from Kickstarter again, but we will be back, I promise. That song <laughs> is awesome. It's incredible. And the most evocative parts of that song for me is three chords. Come together. It's oh the, yeah, it's the chords there at the, in the chorus. Yeah, yeah. So good. Dude, that song is badass. It's very good. Yeah. The the entire Beatles collection, their their discography, if you will, and not if you will, discography, discography, um, uh, is incredible. Apple and everybody, every streaming service out there now has has the rights to stream the Beatles catalog, and I went through it all. Did you enjoy it? I was your journey. So. My journey was awesome, actually. I I don't feel like I did LSD, but uh, <laughs> um, it's because I didn't know much about the Beatles. I don't know much. I I, I mean, I know the the urban legends and the, you know the that Paul McCartney theories. is not even Paul McCartney, it's, right? It's Paul McCartney. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but I, I always I always felt to myself whenever I think about it, or somebody'd ask me about it, I always prefer people's covers of the Beatles to the Beatles, the original Beatles songs. Ah, yeah. Just because uh, the the style of music, like a lot of the songs that people tend to cover of the Beatles are some of the earlier songs. Um, and those are a lot more kind of canned rock and roll. Dude, I don't want to, you know, surprise you with anything, but Uh-oh. have you heard my take of uh, When I'm 64? Oh, dude, I was there when you were recording this. Let's, Ooh. Uh, let's, let's give, I'll just give you a little, little, little taste. When I get old in my hand many years from now will you still be sending me a valentine birthday greetings bottle of wine if i've been out till quarter to three would you lock the door will you still need me will you still feed me when i 
that song was Paul McCartney's, right? It was. Okay. Yes. I mean, geez. You mean Paul McCartney? Paul. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. It's I Sir. guess so. It's from Sgt. Pepper, so that was after Sir he died. Paul McCartney. Sir Paul McCartney. Yeah. Um, which you know what? I mean, he can still he can still belt out the songs, the tunes. Oh the, yeah, the tunage. Yeah, um, he's a badass. It's it's so funny because the Beatles. T- I mean, to be such a massive, massive, legendary influence on music and on culture, um, and only having been together eight years. Yeah, not not together, but like their career lasted a span of roughly eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, holy cow, these people Technically were... ten years. What do you mean? The Beatles? Yeah, what do you mean? They were around for ten years. Sixty to seventy. I think technically they were a band for ten years, which is insane okay. to think I about. I mean, yeah, that's... But for, yeah, just to be ten years. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's crazy to even think about. The yeah. amount of work they put out that has influenced society, Yeah, they could be a fucking 50-year-old band already. It's like 12 you know? or 13 studio albums. Maybe in, not a 50-year-old. In, in eight or ten years. I mean, that's m- more than one a year. Yeah. I mean, these guys were just... They were writing music, and they were writing music that is is still around. I mean, it's it's people still are influenced by the Beatles directly I remember by the Beatles. people were, like, for, I had friends when I was younger... Um, church friends that weren't allowed to listen to the Beatles because uh, well, well, I can, I can kinda, see it. I know, can see in it. Conservative world, it was uh, not. It I was mean, the devil's music. Well, you know, I, I was sure I can see that some of the some of the topics. The fucking are, devil wrote it. Yeah, well, I mean, there are some <laughs> songs here where where whoever's singing is not a huge fan of whoever lady friend he's with or yeah. whatever. Like, there's some abusive lines in there. There are some chauvinistic lines in there. There's also a lot of you know veiled and then not so veiled drug talk. Yeah, you know, I mean, but it's. It's music. I mean, strip out the lyrics. Is it still going to offend you? Well, their experiences, you know, listen. like it's it's them sharing their experiences of living this crazy life where they're rock stars traveling the world and everybody knows who they are. They're yeah. like Bieber, you know, and mm, it's gosh. them just writing about those things. And they evolved, you know, they yeah. ended up going to India and doing a bunch of crazy shit, drugs right. and right. It kind of opened their minds. Crazy to shit, see... and the first thing you think of is drugs. Well, I mean, if you think about the early Beatles, they were very much <laughs> right. like clean cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody loved well, this boy band kind of thing, you know. Yeah. And then they yeah. became hippies. Yeah. And man, John Lennon. Well, yeah. Look at I that mean, motherfucker from the first record picture <laughs> to what he, you know, it's like, dude, the last one. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I listened to it with the specific intent of I want to hear the evolution of this music. I want to hear how they became the Beatles, you yeah. know? Because, I mean, the Beatles, you start off with your first record, and it's very bubblegum pop, like, you know, rock and roll music. Yeah. It's just very, which is great. It's got a lot of repetition of chord progressions and stuff like yeah. that. That are, you know, it's it's your rockabilly type of stuff. Which um, was uh, put out, their first LP was Please Please Me. Nice. In 1963. Yeah, I mean, uh, songs like "Roll Over Beethoven," and um, gosh, let's hear. Let's, let me let me look this up. Let me let me look up some songs. Roll over Beethoven. Yeah, I mean that is that's a song <laughs> that you that you hear in uh you know like a Back to the Future dance kind of thing. You know? Yeah. You know, it's uh, I don't know. I don't or know. in the movie Beethoven. Or in the movie when Beethoven. he's getting a bath. <laughs> oh, that's right. The dog. Right, and uh, <laughs> see, I mean, even that, the, but even now, that song is still being used. Um, hearing it then go all the way 
through like Abbey Road and Let It Be. And yeah. their music style went from very in a box to dramatically outside of that box yeah. into their box. Mm-hmm. You know, they they seemed to get really comfortable with the songs they were writing kind of around, I don't know, the White Album. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Sgt. Pepper. Well, Sgt. Pepper's was at the height of their weirdness, really, as far as as far as I was experiencing their music. Um, uh, so, I feel like yeah. all of their music is weird. It's the weirdest fucking music ever, especially is- their earliest stuff. That is so weird, man. Well, I mean, it's it's a different it's a different style of music. It's a different time. Like it's old different... rock music is so crazy. The 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 formula around it. Well, it's like classic country music. Yeah, like Hank Williams Jr. doesn't sound anything like Garth Brooks. Yeah, in their their songwriting styles, you know. So, the Beatles went from that kind of music where they had to they had to play what was known well and write songs that everybody just loved the hell out of yeah and then they got to start experimenting and then finally kind of came out with i don't know there's so many great songs on abbey road and let it be and and it's just what's your favorite album that you listen to i thought about this this week uh rubber soul nice i love rubber soul and it it probably has something 1965 it probably has something to do with the fact that that was one of the two albums that my parents had when we were growing up and that one was probably played the most uh, my mom said that was probably one of her favorites as well. Um, but the songs in it, that is the first album for me where I could really hear uh, a different kind of songwriting style and way that they were doing their music, even though they'd had like four albums before it or something yeah. like that. You know, I mean, they started to branch out a little bit, but they really took they really took a big step forward with with Rubber Soul. It's so good from the beginning to the end. Drive My Car is yes. the first track, which is oh there there it is. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, and it's freaking I drive his car. <laughs> All uh, night. Oh shit. Um yeah, oh Michelle is also on that record. I love that oh, song. That song is very good. Yeah, it's so good. Paul McCartney. I mean, okay, let Their me songs were short too. They are. Two and a half minutes. That's One song was over 3 minutes. One song? That's it? Yeah, one track was over three minutes. Oh, you're talking about on this album. Yeah, on that, I see, on I, that, see I see. Yeah. Um, Rubber Soul. I mean, Norwegian Woods, great. You Won't See Me is great. Nowhere Man. I mean. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's pretty stellar. Yeah. Oh, and Girl. Like, they're they're smoking some dubs in Girl. Way to go, the Beatles. That yeah. Was, uh, <laughs> that's the collective, the Beatles. The Beatles. Um, yeah, I mean, these, these songs The two are, alive and then the two ghosts. Ah! And that was another that was another band that while not the Bages not as influential on music, they were the sign of an entire era of music and dance and culture, you know, beards and beards and and high If you go to a wedding, ladies and gentlemen, you will hear a Meiji song. I mean, you will, you'll absolutely, and you'll hear a Beatles song. So, oh yes, many. Many. That song that we played that I covered when I'm 64, that was produced by James Gabby, but he also wanted to throw this out there. I listened to Final Mixes last night. Did you? And they sounded awesome. So this is for Lost at Sea. Lost at Sea. Gosh. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is Joe's new Awake or Sleeping uh, vehicle, and it comes out mm-hmm. February 30th. No, 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 no. Uh, 2018. No, I'm kidding. 2018. Uh, oh, yes, we've said it's this It's going to come out uh, in March. Okay, so okay. So I was trying to push for February, but 
I got to push it back a little bit. I need to prepare myself to release it into the winds. Okay. Well, I mean, and you know know what? It's probably good to get our Kickstarter completely out of the way as well before you launch into having to promote something like that. Mama Burr needs to go and eat some worms and then go regurgitate it up into the mouth of the uh, Lost at Sea. So are you are you EP. Mama Bird? Which is ironic. I, you chose to know. eat worms. Right? <laughs> the veg, the vegetarian. Oh, I'm just so glad we didn't have to uh, grow up with our parents throwing up in our mouths. Well, I mean, like, uh, if they did, yeah. it would have been something that I'm sure was natural, normal, right? Oh, so you're saying if we had grown up that way, do you think right now people would be like, oh, I'm craving some vomit? I could eat someone's barf right now. Oh, well, no, because restaurants I don't think you'd would exist. Call it that. I don't think you'd call it barf. I don't think barf would be gross anymore. If it was our primary form of feeding as a kid, I mean, it's just like breast milk. I mean, breast milk's not, like, disgusting, but people don't drink it after a certain age, usually. Yeah, I mean, well... Unless, unless you're into It kind of grosses me out to think about it. W- breast milk? Yeah, like drinking breast milk. I wouldn't... I mean, it's. I know it's natural, you yeah. know? I don't think it's, like, bad to drink it or whatever, but well, it's also, like, all animals. so weird to think about, you yeah, know? Yeah, Well, I mean, a lot of animals nurse like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, cows, goats, pigs. I don't know why I'm comparing humans to cows, goats, But it's just pigs. funny. It's like, once yeah. you're done being a baby, it's like... Why would it? Why would I need breast milk? But I guess people. No, like, exactly. You you, you are can then, still make stuff out of it. Well, I mean, uh, for a baby, mm-hmm. that is the baby has only been getting its nutrition from the mother, mm-hmm. and now it's out and does not have that direct connection to the mother. So I imagine logically it would make sense that the safest food source for this baby initially is going to still be the mother, if Definitely. possible. And then you just kind of slowly wean them off, and you hopefully. You know, feed, hopefully feed the mother, your child a balanced diet. You know, hopefully mother is eating healthy because uh, all well, that ends up in the breast milk, whatever yeah. chemicals and. Ooh, yeah, I didn't really think about that, but yes, yeah. you're right. I mean, that's why that's why a lot of new mothers don't drink tainted titty milk is what they call nursing. it. Tainted titty milk. <laughs> There's the title of this episode. <laughs> yes, exactly. Tainted titty milk. I can't believe that. Oh, it's too good. It's too good to not put on there. Um, <laughs> tainted titty milk. No, but uh, to wrap it back to Kickstarter, Kickstarter. Being up, are, uh, it, what are your feelings? Like, how do you feel uh, about people um, connecting to our project through? Because we've been getting some followers on the Thought Form Twitter, and yeah, you know, we're kind of connecting ourselves into this horror film society, right? Just based on the project, and you know, I mean, Martin's a little more in that. Than I am. Well, the but- the horror kind of in terms of fandom, he knows some of the communities. He's reached out to a website actually. It's called bloodydisgusting.com. Oh, nice. And it's it's I might I think it might be British, like British based. Um, but it's it's an authority on horror kind oh, of that's cool. kind of website. So um shout out. Yeah, and we've reached out to a couple of different shows, uh the projection booth and and things like that. And we you know, we we've got some some backing behind, yeah. you know, some support from some leading industry, you know, companies and mm-hmm. professionals. So I, I think I think it's good. I mean, I told you this I told you this before we launched. I think that we have set ourselves up as to the absolute best of our abilities. I really do. I don't think there is I mean, if I went through it with a fine-tooth comb, I think I'd have a hard time being like, man, I would really do this better, or yeah. I should have fixed that, or something like that. Right. Like, I, that's what I've spent my last few days before we launched doing, is is 
just just picking at the minutia as much as possible. And then at a certain point, it really needed to just go out, you know. Yeah. So, <clears throat> and I'm glad it did. I think we've put a very good face out there into the world for what we're doing. And let's just let's just see where it goes in in 28 days. What was that documentary? You, you know, said from you now. Saw? Yeah, yeah. What was documentary. It? Um, I watched a documentary called Capital C, and it followed three, uh, three campaigns that I suppose were. I guess they had already been I mean I do I do know what the movie was about but there's one that's kind of confusing to me and then another one restarts a different campaign in the middle of the movie. So oh, gotcha. it, I want to say that this thing spanned quite a bit of time. They spent a lot of time filming this, you know, maybe an entire year cuz you see people throughout their campaign process and then what's happened so far and some of the things that they've gone through and then their second campaign and all that. Um but it to to give you a general summary of the the story, it follows them through their their crowdfunding campaigns, and it gives a, a really good explanation of what crowdfunding is. There are a lot of expert opinions in terms of uh, you know marketing analysts and people that are you know professional Kickstarter backers and this kind of stuff, yeah. bloggers like people who promote this kind of stuff. So it gave a a, a pretty. Uh, broad overview of what the world of crowdfunding is and the consensus seems to be and I kind of agree with them that it is a it is a massive leap forward for the human condition and human culture to yeah. know that people are willing to back their good ideas you do not have to any longer go and be a slave to a corporation to get something done. Yeah, if you've got a good enough idea and you present it and people get it, they're going to support it, you know? That's the tough part. And that's the part I think that was the the biggest initial struggle until we started actually creating some content and seeing what we were getting out of it and how we can mold it. Um, the, the most difficult part for me was knowing how the fuck are we going to present this in the best way that we so that we can impress and educate people on what we want to do and have them get it. Yeah. I was like, man, I, I struggle. I struggle with, uh, explaining some of the things that I do sometimes. For instance, the podcast network, the, for a long time, the podcast network was such a nebulous explanation as it came out of my mouth. I just felt like, I felt like people would be more confused after asking me what my podcast is about. Yeah, you know the uh, which is is not really any longer the case, but it, it, it took a little while, um, so I wasn't at all sure how we were going to put together this script that we had come up with that jumps all over in time and you know different varying things going on. It's just kind of a, a confusing story to sit there and read, but to convince people that we not only it does this make sense and it's been developed fairly well, um, but we can actually execute this. It's. I had no idea how we were going to do that. Yeah, and I think that was a big roundabout way of saying all that. <laughs> but there you go. Yeah, check out thoughtformfilm.com and you can uh, support our film or at least see what we're doing. Um, we've got as many details as we feel will not bore you to death. I feel like I'm uh, a fairly decent judge of something that's boring. Like I, I, I feel like I can step back on any of my projects and watch with some subjectivity. I think that I've got a pretty good grasp on if something I'm doing is working or it's not. And I think what we've got works. Yeah, I think so too. This is an exciting thing. So we've got this campaign rolling and we're, we need all the support we can. So please if you could share it. Yeah, please go check it out. I mean, it's, we hope that people that, that go to our campaign can see that we are trying to embrace everybody 
as a team member, as as somebody that we want involved in the process. We I emphasize mean, Texans, but we actually mean everybody. We do, and I, I hopefully the word honorary in there kind of kind of yeah. gets that point across. One of the things in Capital C, one of the uh, campaigns is a video game company. They did a, a game back in like 1988, 89 called Wasteland, mm-hmm. and they I've heard of that. <clears throat> Twenty years later, they launched a Kickstarter campaign and they've made a sequel. And one of the things that they also stressed and emphasized is the community. Your backers want to be a part of what you're doing. That's why they donate. And so it kind of becomes uh, – responsibility is not really the right word, but then it becomes our uh, our task to to incorporate them into what we're doing, give them those those valuable updates, and then listen to the things that they have to say. Yeah. And we can – we'll be doing that from day one. That's that's the thing that's, that struck me is that that's going to be the most important part of how we raise our money by interacting with people, answering their questions. Because if we haven't explained something clearly enough and somebody comments on it, we should then be able to be like, oh, hey – Okay, so there is this little detail that is now missing that hopes hopefully makes this all you know has this all make sense. Yeah, and who knows? Uh, we might meet our Olivia Maybell throughout this entire process. She might comment. So if you uh, if you want to see a badass film called Thoughtform, call five 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 Big Bear five 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 Big Bear, and he'll uh, he'll hold your hand through the process in his blue house. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, what size pants do you wear? Uh, like twenty eight. No way. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Holy shit. Okay. Uh, I went and finally bought some new jeans because I've been suffering from uh, from weight lossage. Big jeanism. Uh, big gene. Gigantism. Gi- gene uh, uh, giant gene syndrome. Giant gene syndrome. Um, I finally went and just, I was like, okay, I, I, I'm working. I've got a little bit of money coming in. I don't, I no longer have to live by, you know, dollars a day. Yeah. Uh, you know, for the time being. Uh, so I went and bought new jeans and for the first time since i was 16 years old i'm wearing a 32 really 16 dude that is that's almost half my life dude that's crazy it's it's bizarre and are you wearing them now i'm wearing them right now nice yeah yeah, those look like great jeans yeah they fit a whole lot better than the ones i've been wearing because they were 34 (laughs) you know i mean they were 34s and i think i have a pair of 36s in here too man i 36 Six thirty-seven pounds or something like Gotta that. Gotta get rid of those shits. It's yeah. I mean, well, I I will now. I I'll take some stuff up to Goodwill. Yeah, you know, some of that stuff I've had since I was sixteen years old, and wearing shirts that were way too big and jeans that were thirty-two. <laughs> I, you know, suddenly I started like gaining weight, and then, well, I mean, it happens. You, you go to college, you, you, you get grow up. Phase and well, I definitely did not eat well in college, mm-hmm. but at least I was fed. At least I ate. Yeah, you know, it's. Cisco food. I I was never a poor college student. Like I and I don't know why. I mean, I I definitely didn't make a whole lot of money. You know, and I had stuff that I I paid for. But um, was it like loan like uh, student loans? Like, did you get like chunks per semester that you could kind of divvy to classes and then divvy to living expenses? Or was it just you had a good job, or because you? Well, said, no, I mean, I had, I, I guess, I, yeah, I mean, I guess it is. Were I you did, rich with Christ? But like, I was, I was, I was rich <laughs> with with the Lord. Um, I don't know. I guess it's because I've I've been taught how to be good with money. Mm-hmm. So no matter what job I had, I always made the money work after a certain point. You know, my mom would argue with me because there was this whole like <laughs> snafu, you know, while I was in college. I, yeah. I And you know what? That was actually a good learning experience because uh, I, I was I, I was kind of my first semester there spending a lot more of the money than I was that I was making. Not than I was making. 
Um, but you know, I would I would usually go through a paycheck, you know, buying movies and buying stuff because yeah. I was like, suddenly this was really the first job I kind of had. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, suddenly I have money. Holy shit! Yeah, I can do whatever I want with this. Um, my mom, I guess my bank statement still went to the house because I didn't bother to have him go to college. Why? You know, it didn't matter. So she got one and she opened it and she was like, Ian, you spent like. I don't know how much money it was. You spent like a thousand dollars over two weeks or something like that, or something. I don't know. It was it was something a little a little excessive for me. Um, and so at a certain point, she, she was, was watching your she was watching your numbers. Well, she she did, but uh, she explained it in a way that I kind of was like, okay. I mean, I guess you have a right to because they they had taken out my loans. Gotcha. Uh, my, they sent oh, me to so school. Oh, so they would get the statements. So they were like, we're sending you to school, motherfucker, so you don't go spending all your money. If you're going to spend money, you give it to us yeah. and pay it. start paying us back for where you're going right now. Right. <laughs> and and that's exactly what she made me do. She gave me, she usually gave me 15% of my paycheck, but I had to, it was all deposited in the bank and she had access. She came and gave, took it out and left me 15%, you know, for food and everything. Um, and I, I kind of learned how to how to make that work for me. When I left college, I moved to North Carolina um, and needed to buy a car. I need, went moved there for work uh, and needed to buy a car. And my mom came to me right before I left, and she said, you remember you gave me your paychecks while you were in college? I said, yeah. She said, well, I've been putting in an investment fund for you, and here's your money. Go, You can go put a massive down payment on your car. Oh, wow. So my mom forced me to save by taking money away from me and putting it and I was like oh shit and from that point forward I have been almost impeccable with money yeah it's been it's been nice it's you didn't nice. see her with like Prada purses and like <laughs> well her she was she was wearing up. her new fur when she uh when she gave it to me <laughs> so oh, this is her third trip to had Hawaii paint all over it um <laughs> that's funny whoever listens to the show I wonder who they listened to right there because we definitely both said two things they were opposite thoughts <laughs> and I want to know who heard that so uh, roll back the tape. Roll back and, the tape. Uh, play it. Play it again. It's you didn't nice. see her with like Prada purses and like. <laughs> well, her she was she was wearing up. her new fur when she uh, when she gave it to me. So oh, third trip to Hawaii. All over it. Recently, with this recent bout of of you know slowed down work and yeah. and dwindling funds, um, I had to I had the the additional step of not just not spending money, but cooking well for myself while trying not to spend money. And luckily, cooking a lot of vegetables is usually the cheapest of any of the meals. Yeah. Because veggies are really not that expensive in the grand scheme of it. What 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 have you been like, what's been kind of your routine? Are you cooking kind of the same things? Are you changing it up? No, I'll usually change it up because, I mean, I, I, I know how a variety of flavors go together and, you know, proteins and, like, how to, how to mix and match and do all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I like pastas, but I don't do those very often anymore. It's usually a lot of veggies with, like, some chicken or, or something like that. I'll admit this past week with work, I, I've been a lot worse about the food I've been eating, but it's because... It was because I was throwing a curveball. I was expecting to work my afternoon, like later shift hours, and suddenly got told, "Oh, hey, no, you're supposed to be in here in the mornings because you got to be training for this shit." And oh, nobody, yeah. nobody told you. Uh, so I, it's it's <laughs> it's fine. I just you know I spent the week doing doing something. You know I still had a yeah. salad every day at work and and you know for lunch and all that. But yeah, um, I mean that's that's gotta be that's another challenge in itself is having to like work around your meals when you're going somewhere else. That's well, I don't know. You know, I got a friend of mine who just started the ultimate reset. 
Oh, and nice. yeah, she works at a, a spa, like a like a nail spa, like a beauty spa. Whoa, dude. I was literally thinking, I don't know why, I was thinking nail salon in my head. Oh wow. But she was saying the hardest the hardest thing so far has been getting into the the habit and the kind of the patterns needed to cook your meals while she works an eight to twelve hour shift sometimes. So, you know, it's it's definitely was not easy. I find it I find myself fortunate and you find I'm sure yourself fortunate that uh, we didn't have a day job to really go to during the t- the the process of our resets this past year. Yeah. Um. So I was home all the time. I was. It was very easy for me to fall into my own pattern, and that is why I was successful. Who was I talking to? I guess I was talking to my mom, and I said, "That's that's why this weight has come off me right now is because I didn't have anything to prove. I did not do this to lose weight. I did it to get healthy." Mm-hmm. And. This is why this is a side effect now, as opposed to a failed goal. Yeah, you know, I mean that's the thing that I, I when I first did it, that like people were like, "How'd you lose so much weight?" Oh my gosh, you need to eat. And I would tell them what I was doing, and they're like, "Oh, that doesn't sound you know healthy for you to lose that much weight." And I'm like, yeah. "No, that's the side effect. Is my body gets rid of what it doesn't need because yeah. you're eating all the things that your body needs to feel like a fucking champion, you know?" And yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, it can be, it was startling because I lost like, I lost a lot of weight quickly and it is the side effect of eating healthy. Your body just gets rid of everything else that it doesn't need. Well, you, you were saying something like you lost 40 pounds in your first year after the reset and with Shakeology and stuff like that. And I thought, ah, that'll never happen. I'm, I'll be lucky to get eight pounds off in the ultimate reset. It was all in my ass. It was, well, you had, you had lipo at the same time. (laughs) That's what he's not telling anybody. Um, uh, but I, I have, I lost like 37 pounds or some shit like that. Yeah. Like it happened. I was like, what, what? Yeah. How did this happen? I've, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's nice. I'm not necessarily wishing anybody like, look at me, look at me. But I'm, I'm, I, like you said, I feel great. I feel great about the food that I eat most of the time and my activity level. Dude, I went and rode my bike yesterday nice. for the first time since I've been 30. Oh, nice. I've been Damn. 30 for four months now. You know, it's it's been a long time. How's went, your bike doing? My She's great. She's, <laughs> she's awesome. Uh, her tires were a little soft, so I, I pumped them up a little bit. Nice. I gave them some encouragement. Yep, yep. And then I rode 10 miles. Oh, like, yeah. I, I was not, I was like, can I do this? And I made the decision right at the beginning. I said, yeah, I know I can do this. Yep. So just do it. I got that five mile mark and I did something I didn't actually, uh, I don't normally do because it's a loop. It's a five mile loop. So I ride around it once one way and then turn around and ride the other way. You pissed yourself. No, well, no, but I did stop. I stopped oh, and got nice. off and allowed myself a little bit of a break. It was probably like 60 seconds, 90 seconds. It really was not a long break. Yeah. I just got out and did, you know, off and did some stretches and did some stuff. And then I got back on and, and went and rode the other five miles. It's so great, man. I get so. I get such a high off of riding my bike. Yeah. It's the endorphins. It's it's so wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's like, man, I need a cigarette after that. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> it is, man. It, bike riding is fucking, it takes you back to 12 years old because it it's nothing but adventure and right. you're not surrounded by the walls of a vehicle. You know what, though? My mom always, always had us ride our bikes because... As the four of us and her homeschooling, like our PE class was, all right, everybody, bikes on the back of the car. We're going to go to Brayburn, which was this park. 
And the, the, the path there was probably five miles one way. Well, might have been three miles one way. But there was this massive loop kind of in the middle of it. It's like a little offshoot. And then there was a massive like circular loop. Um, and she would make us, I say make us because at it, it, 11, 12, 13 years old, it's like, oh, why are we doing this? We don't want to do this. This is yeah. so boring. Um, make us ride this, this circular thing, which in my estimation was probably at least half a mile around, if not three quarters of a mile around, um, right around it, maybe five times, 10 times, something like that. And then continue along the, the rest of the three mile path, then back. So, I mean, we would probably get a good 10-mile ride in. Wow, you know, she was like this. a trainer. She did. Yeah, well, she was. and that, But that was her responsibility. She took, on, she took on more than her responsibility as a parent and, like, merged it with her responsibility as an educational professional. She yeah. taught us the benefit of proper scheduling, proper financial planning, proper meals, proper etiquette, proper, uh, you know, physical activity. Yeah. I don't know. I've, I've, I've praise my mother for her her stuff a lot on this show but you know i mean i i utilized it the other day i said i know i can ride 10 miles and i rode 10 miles yep. after having not ridden in almost four months vivian you are a badass yeah and uh ian's success in bike riding is uh you know attributed to your training <laughs> your training hey wheels did you even play the uh little music box i didn't we i was gonna, about the Beatles. I was gonna just you know say is there any anything else you want to you want to uh, put out there you know, into the ether before we sign you off you know i don't i don't really know i don't think so we've got um, some we've got some uh housework to do with the campaign so some, we got to get going and what, start do we, what do we call it johnny clean johnny clean johnny clean cave johnny clean cave uh stuff to happen yeah yeah don't forget to check out thoughtformfilm.com and follow us on Twitter at thoughtformtexas. At, TX. No, yeah, at thoughtformtx. All right, so we're going to leave you with uh, something that, you know, kind of like all the music we play on this show, probably breaks copyright law. Yeah, well, that's But we're good. giving it away for free because it's awesome. And uh, explain this, this contraption. Um, this is a music box run on a pretty simple gear system. Yeah. But basically has a bunch of little nipples that come it's off got of this a, it's got cylinder. a drum it's got this little yeah mm-hmm. cylinder thing with the nipples and there's got to be a name for every little piece of this you know but i don't know it there is i think that's called the crankshaft the thing the, you're the crankshaft yes the crankshaft is connected to the thigh bone the thigh um, bone is connected to the knee bone and so it it turns this this cylindrical drum and the little nipples well there's correspond to yes. to the prong it's like a big metal sheet that's been cut into individual and by big, uh, he means less than an inch across. Yeah, yeah. The way they're cut, the length that each brush is that hits one of the little nipples, yep. it's uh, a different length to create a different note. Note. And so whenever you crank it, I'm going to play this. Do you want to play it on the table? Yeah. We're going to leave you with the amplified version of, uh, of the music box rendition of, was it just John Lennon's or was it the Beatles? Uh, that's the Beatles. Yesterday is the Beatles, not just John Lennon. So we're going to leave you with the amplified version of Sir Paul McCartney's uh, Yesterday off the Beatles, what, second album? Yeah, for, uh, first release on the album Help uh, in August 1965. Yes. For this week on Hide Air, I'm Ian. And I'm Joe. And yesterday. No, just kidding. Uh, Thoughtformfilm.com. We gotta, we gotta go. go. <laughs> <laughs>
on Twitter at Hydare Pod. Get your ass online because uh, Hydare.com misses you.